I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning of verse 16. Where Paul writes, if I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Justice, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to take, make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Several years, many years ago, Nancy and I had the privilege of becoming parents. We have two beautiful children that are part of our lives. And when they were born, when they were little, we did what many of you did. We had a service of worship where we came forward and stood before God and stood before the congregation. Water was poured into a bowl and the pastor that that was leading the sacrament looked at us and asked the same questions that I've asked many of you. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yes. And, And do you promise to nurture these children in the Christian faith and the Christian life and the Christian home and the Christian church? So that someday, someday when they're able to make their own decisions, that they might be led to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. Do you? And we answered that we would. We celebrated that that we recognized these children were gifts to us from God. And we celebrated that, that actually these children belong to God and we're simply entrusted with them. That, that God entrusted them to us, that we might love them on God's behalf, that, that we might nurture them, that, that we might help them make sure they're taken care of physically and emotionally, but, but above all spiritually, that, that we would guide them, 
God entrusted to us. When our kids started uh, growing just a little bit, and while they were they were still little, one of the one of the things that that we wanted and hoped for was that Nancy might be able to stay home with our children. Well, you know, when you're straight out of seminary and now you have young children, you're serving your very first church, you know, the math doesn't always work well to be able to make that happen, you know, to be able to go, how do we do this? And so one of the things that we kind of looked at and wrestled with and ran the numbers was that if we would keep a couple of kids in our home or if Nancy would keep a couple of children in our home, then she might be able to keep our kids at home too. And so that was the decision that we made. And and there was another couple in the church that had two young children about the age of our kids. And and so it just seemed, seemed to work well. So each day of the week, this young couple would come to our house. One or the, one or the other of them would, would come and, and bring their children. The, the two people in the world that they love more than anyone else in the world. They brought to our house. They would come in the front door. They would help get their kids settled. And, and, and then they would kiss their children goodbye as they would head off to work. And, and those children would stay in our home for the rest of the day. And, and, and this family entrusted to Nancy their children. I mean, entrusted that, that if we leave our children here with you, we have confidence. We have confidence that, that you will make sure they're provided for. If we leave our children here with you, we, we trust that when they're hungry, you're going to feed them. And when they need to be changed, you're going to change them. And when they cry, you're going to love them. And you're going to hold them. And that they're going to know that they are well protected and well loved in this place. And, and so we, we had this great time. I would come home periodically for lunch and, and get to spend some time there. But, but it was such an honor and a privilege to think when we knew how much we loved our kids that someone else who loved their kids just as much would trust that in our home they would be provided for. They entrusted their family to us. When we entrust something or someone to someone else, I mean, it's an incredible privilege. It's an awesome responsibility as well. My parents now are are getting older, as is the norm. And my dad, as you know, has had all kinds of health issues and and so, you know, when he was 41 years of age, he had his first heart attack. He since had eight heart attacks, two of them heart surgeries, a couple of aneurysms, all kinds of stuff that, that go on with him. It's one of the reasons why I do preventive cardiology programs. And, and, and so, you know, my, dad, my dad's had a, had a long life and, and a great life, but he's been through some major health issues. And, and now my mom's beginning to have more health issues. Right before Christmas, she was in the hospital for a week or two and, and then home for about three days and then back in the hospital for a week or two with pneumonia and other things. And then, you know, she had to go into rehab because she had been in the hospital long enough that she needed some rehab to get her strength back so that she could come home. And a couple of weeks ago, Nancy and I took a day off and, and we went up to the rehab center and picked her up, got her home, got her settled, you know, try to make sure everything's just right it's just that time. It's that time where, you know, we're trying to make sure that our, our parents are taken care of and that they have everything that they need. And, and so at some point back, we began to discuss as a family, we need to know that, 
that we can make decisions for our folks. I mean, what would happen if mom wasn't able to make decisions for dad or dad wasn't going to be in a position where he can make decisions for mom? And so, you know, we had those conversations that family often have where we need to make sure we have health care powers of attorney set up and powers of attorney set up and that, you know, if they're unable to make their own decisions for some reason that someone would be there. And, and I became my father's health care power of attorney. And at first you're going, wow, you know, I, I'm honored and I'm humbled that, 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 that my father would entrust his help to me and that, that he, would, he, he trusts that I, I might would make the same decisions that, that he would have made and, and that I would try to carry out his wishes and to try to carry out his will if he's unable to, to answer and make the decisions for himself. And then you go, wait a minute. That's an awesome responsibility too. That someone is entrusting their health and to some degree then their life to someone else. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a privilege, but wow, what an awesome responsibility that goes along with that. When you look up the word entrust, it means to invest in another trust and responsibility. To invest in another. Trust and responsibility. And Paul in this scripture says, and I have been entrusted with a commission. Straight from God. God's investing trust and responsibility. Now you might remember Paul wasn't always the the lovable character that we know him to be. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Actually, all of Paul's letters were written before any of the Gospels were written. So actually, in, in written form, what we hear from Paul, we heard before we heard from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Paul wasn't always Paul. Remember the story? Paul at one point was named Saul. And Saul was the great persecutor of the church. Now, when Saul persecuted the church, he didn't do so because he didn't love God. Actually, he persecuted the church precisely because he loved God. You see, Saul grew up in the Jewish faith. Saul grew up, actually, if you read Acts 22, he tells you he grew up learning at the feet of Gamaliel. In other words, Gamaliel was the, the great rabbi, the great teacher. In other words, Paul's saying, I actually learned from the best of the best. I learned from one of the most faithful people of God what it meant to be a servant of God. And Paul was a Jew, and, and, and he was a leader of the Jews. And, and so he saw this new religion, this new church, this new group, this way, as actually interfering with God's covenant that he had made through Abraham. He actually saw the church becoming a threat to the covenant and the covenant relationship that God had made with Abraham. And so as a result of that, he began to persecute the church. He wanted the church stopped. It wasn't because he didn't love God, but it's because he did love God. He just didn't fully understand what God was doing. And so in his, in his attempt to be faithful to God, he tried to stop the church, to squelch the church, to end the church so that the people of God would remain the covenant people with God. And then one day, 
one day Paul goes to the leaders and he says to them, give me authority to go to Damascus. Because I've heard in Damascus, this way is moving. I've heard that in Damascus, the church is forming. I've heard that in Damascus, there are Jews who have now become Christians. And and there are other Jews that are being tempted to become Christians. And and we need to get a hold of this. Give me permission to go to Damascus. And he gets permission to go to Damascus and to squelch the church. And on his way, on the road to Damascus, all of a sudden he's blinded by this great light. Acts chapter 9. And and he hits his knees. and, And all of a sudden he hears God say, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now what I want you to think about is, imagine how Saul felt at that time because the last thing, the last thing, the last thing that Saul ever wanted to do was to go against God. As a matter of fact, he was committed to trying to go for God and squelch out what he believed to be an antagonist group from God. And so he goes, God, I would, I, would never, I would never want to persecute you. Who are you, Lord? Who are you that I'm persecuting you? And imagine, imagine how he felt when he heard God say, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Oh, my. Oh my, for all this time, I thought I was serving God. Oh my, the people I've persecuted. Oh my, the people that I have hurt. The lives that I've taken. Oh oh my, I, I thought I was serving you, God. And I was persecuting you, God. He's blinded by the light. The people take him the rest of the way to Damascus. And there God speaks to a man by the name of Ananias and says to him, you need to go and and share with Saul this message. And I love Ananias. Ananias goes, "Uh, Lord, I, uh, you know, I love you. You know, we're like this. But do you know what you're asking me to do? I mean, You do know who you're talking about, right? I mean, you're talking about the guy who has persecuted the church. You're talking about the guy who's taken life. You want me to do what? I want you to go and talk to Saul. He's learning. So Ananias goes and he touches his eyes and and Saul is able to see and he teaches him the faith. and, And Saul became known as Paul became that great evangelist and that great missionary on behalf of Jesus Christ, whom earlier he had persecuted, but now he proclaimed. And and that same passion that he had used to, to try to go against the people of God, he used for the people of God, for the gospel. I mean, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans chapter 10, verse 1, where Paul says, I mean, just listen to his passion. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is that they would be saved. That's my heart's desire and prayer. 
And then if you just kind of turn back to Romans chapter 9, beginning of verse 1, listen to, listen to what Paul says. He goes, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my own people. My kindred, according to the flesh. I mean, did you, did, you hear what, did you hear what Paul just said? Paul just said, if, if I could give up my salvation, if, if I could be cut off from Christ, if for some, for some way, somehow, if, if my giving up my relationship with Jesus Christ would bring salvation to the rest of the world, I would gladly be accursed by God myself if that would mean that they would be saved. Do you catch that passion? Do you catch that zeal that Paul now has? So when he's writing here in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says to the church, an obligation is laid on me. I'm not doing this because I thought one day might be a good idea. You know what I think might be a good way to make a living? I might just become a preacher. I, I might... No, because an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I don't proclaim the gospel. An obligation, and woe to me if I don't proclaim the gospel, for if I do this of my own will, then I have a reward, but if not, then I am entrusted with a commission. Entrusted. In other words, Paul is saying that God has come to him and said, this this is what is most important to me. I am offering my world salvation. I am offering my world good news. I'm offering my world grace. And I am entrusting it to you. And, and I'm giving to you trust and responsibility. That, that you will take this that is the most precious thing to me. And, and that you will share it then with the world. You're entrusted with a commission. And Paul says, woe to me if I, if I don't proclaim the gospel. Gospel? Well, that word means good news. And sometimes I will confess when we proclaim it, it doesn't sound so good. But it's good news. In other words, it's John 3, 16 news that, that God so loves this world, so loves you by name, so loves every one of us, that God so loves us, he, was given, he gave his only begotten son for us. And for the world, that if we would believe in him, we would be saved. Do you want to hear that it's good news? John 3, 17, good news. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's not what this is all about. This is not a condemnation thing, but rather that the world through him might be saved. And Paul says, I, I've been entrusted now. God himself has, has handed to me this message. And, and I'm proclaiming this good news, this message that, that is so precious, this message that saves lives, this message that, that offers forgiveness of sins. God is not desiring that we carry around our guilt and our shame. But rather, you can be forgiven. No matter who you are, what you've done, hear the good news. You can be forgiven if you just turn it over to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. 
This message that gives eternal life to all who believe. This, this message that offers a relationship with Jesus Christ. God doesn't simply want to be an acquaintance, but a relationship. The message of salvation. Well, I've been called to be your pastor. I, I have been entrusted with a commission as well. I've been entrusted to share this good news. And so I want you to know that God loves every one of you in this room right now. And that Jesus died for you by name. And God, the last thing God wants is for you to leave here and, and not be in a relationship with Him. I mean, God desperately wants to be in a relationship with you to the point that He was willing to die for you. To give His body and His blood for you and for me. That we might be forgiven and, and live with Him now, but then have eternal life to live with Him in the fullness of His kingdom. God offers us salvation. But now, you've been entrusted with the commission. For the last thing Jesus said as he ascended into heaven in Matthew 28, 19. Now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And remember this, I'll be right there with you. I'll be with you always. Even to the end of the age. You see, now God has offered trust and responsibility to you. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. And we're called to proclaim this gospel. Woe to us if we don't share this good news. The good news. And the good news is this, that God not only loves you, but he loves the rest of your family that may not know him yet. That God loves you, but not only does, you, does he love you, but he loves your neighbors that may not know him yet. And, and, and not only that, God loves the people we go to school with. God loves the people that we play on the ball field with. God even loves the people that sit in the stands with us that we talk about the referees with. I mean, God loves all of us. And here's what God has done. is We're the church. And with the church, God is entrusting. God is entrusting you and me with this good news. God is coming to our door and presenting to us that which is most precious to him, his only begotten son, saying, I, I'm entrusting this to you to share with the world. So in just a moment, we're coming to the table. We'll cup our hands and we'll receive once again this reminder of our salvation. The bread will be placed in our hands. We'll take the bread. We'll dip the tip of the bread in the cup. And we'll share together in the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now that you've got it, God's entrusting that you'll share it. You've been entrusted with a commission. 
as the church. 